So I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't think it was necessary to, to validate the research. But I saw a study this week that said adults, the average adult, makes 35,000 choices a day. It's a lot of choices, isn't it? Which, which sounds crazy. It's a no wonder people are burnt out, frustrated, and aggravated all the time. I saw a study from Cornell University that says we make 226.7 decisions a day on food alone. See, you made good choices at the beginning, and then by evening, ice cream is just kind of, you're done, right? You've tried to be healthy, but it's just too much to do. I mean, we make choices daily about what we eat, what we wear, what we purchase, where we spend our time, what we wear, how fast or slow to drive, and on and on and on. All of us make a ton of choices every single day, and the choices can be good ones, well, or not so good ones. Let's just call them bad. Anybody ever made a bad choice? Just, oh, oh we're going to be honest this morning. We're like, yeah. The one that comes to my mind is when I was in elementary school. I, I, I remember my teacher sending a note home that day, and I wish it was saying about how Brian has been the most amazing, best student that has ever been in my class. The note did not say that. It talked about my disruptive and terrible behavior. So I made the outstanding choice to forge my mom's signature in fourth grade. Tell you about the path I was heading on, right? And I got away with it. I forged my mom's signature. I was pretty awesome. I started off as a criminal at a young age, okay? Until my behavior never changed and my mom called my teacher in for a parent-teacher conference. And so I remember sitting on the computer playing Oregon Trail. Anybody remember Oregon Trail? Okay, so that's, I, I'll never forget that. I was playing Oregon Trail. I was trying to beat malaria or whatever was going on at that particular time. And then I heard my mom's voice say, what note? And I remember kind of peeking over my shoulder, right, looking at him, and both of them have eyes focused on me. I said, uh-oh. I don't remember the car ride home. I remember as soon as I got home, I ran straight to my room and put three pairs of pants on. <laughs> I chose to do this. I put three pairs of pants on, went in my room, then all of a sudden my mom came in with the orange spatula. That's what she used. And she found out I had three pairs of pants on. So she chose to remove all three pairs of pants <laughs> and the spatula made contact with my skin that evening. Needless to say, I've never done that again. We all make choices. Some of us stick with us, especially the bad ones. But with all of us having so many choices to make, how can we know how to make the right ones? How do we know what the good choices are? I mean, what does God care about? Does he care what color shirt I wear? According to some, he cares if I wear a tie, right? Does he care how I style my hair? Does he care what I eat for lunch? I mean, where do we go? How do we know what he does care about and what he doesn't care about? How can we make the right choices? Because as we saw from the story last week, our choices can have devastating consequences. 
Remember, we saw a whole group of people who were told to take the promised land. They lacked the faith, they chose to disobey, and an entire generation for 40 years had to kick dust in the wilderness. But you see, the book of Joshua picks up after those 40 years. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Look at this, Joshua 1-2 says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the river I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So now it's Joshua's time. Him and Caleb tried to rally the troops together 40 years ago to conquer the promised land. They got punished as we talked about, but now God's given them the green light. It's time, Joshua, lead the people, take the promised land. But look at what he says, verse six. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This is an exhortation from God saying, you're gonna have to step out on faith. Don't be afraid. I already know what's gonna happen. Who'd be afraid if you had to go to war? All of us said, amen. Okay, that, don't be afraid. I, I got this, be strong and courageous. But look at this next part, verse seven. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant gave you. He's not repeating himself. This is a second exhortation, but this one is stronger. He says, be strong and very courageous to obey the scriptures, to obey the law. The law is what we would call scriptures now. One scholar says, this indicates a greater strength of character would be required to obey God's word faithfully than to win military battles. And you already know that to be true in your life. He says, do not turn from to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. They're about to go into battle. They're about to conquer this land, this huge military campaign. God's saying, I'm gonna be with you. Go and do it. But God's instructions aren't military strategies. They're not tactics. It doesn't say what armor to wear. It doesn't say how to take them over. It doesn't say what you need to eat before the battle. He says, focus on my word. He's encouraging them, hey, before you go, you gotta be obedient to me. And he tells Joshua, keep it on your lips. That means to talk about it. Meditate on it day and night. That means to think about it, to investigate it, to study it. And he says to do everything in it. Look, church, churches are really good at memorizing God's word. We're really good at knowing what other people shouldn't do. But we all have a problem knowing what we should be doing. Talk about it, meditate on it, but then do it. You're like, ah, well. No, I know. Do it. It cannot be overemphasized enough from the very beginning. He's saying, Joshua, you have to listen to me. Joshua, you have to be obedient. You should talk about this with other people. You should think about this, meditate it, and actually do it. And then look at verse eight, which is what each and every one of us want in life. Then, then, we're like, all right, then what? Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Who doesn't want to be prosperous and who doesn't want to be successful? Right, we're all like, yeah, no, that's what I want. I, I want to be prosperous. I want to be successful in life. And he's saying, hey, the way to do this in life, even a military campaign, Joshua, is to be faithful and obedient to my word, to me. So I got a super simple sermon for you. Hey, super simple sermon. That's three S's. Oh, I should patent that. Super simple sermon. Look at this. Follow God's word and you will have a successful and prosperous life. Follow God's word and you will have a, you will live, excuse me, a successful and prosperous life. This is what we're going to see in the story of Israel. God has delivered this group of people out of slavery. He's given them the Ten Commandments. He said, hey, follow me, do this. We saw a generation last time who ignored and disobeyed. And what happened? Wandering, miserable. Last, yesterday, last week, you could have left going, man, this is rough. I mean, and that's how you should feel if you disobey God. There are consequences. But now we're going to turn the chapter where we see successful people doing amazing things having a tremendous amount of prosperity and blessings from the Lord because they're obedient to him. Remember, as Wanda talked about, if you obey me, he told the Israelites, you will be my treasured people. So he's just reiterating, Joshua, you've seen what it looks like when you disobey. Hey, so how about this? How about you obey and we'll do this together? God gave them, God gave us in an instruction manual to live a successful and prosperous life. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like instruction manuals. Any other guys out there? You're like, that's right, I can figure it out on my own. I do too. I feel like if someone else could do it, I could do it. I don't need to read their instructions. I have this, I can do it on my own, but it doesn't always work out in my favor. You see, Jessica, she's a huge planner which means I have to not be. That's, that's how that works. She's a huge planner. I choose to just go with the flow. Just let life take you. And so she likes to organize. And when she got pregnant with our first child, Troy, right, Troy's our oldest, her planning and organization skills, I mean, they, they, they like got on steroids. And she just wanted everything to be perfect. And so one thing we got, you know, several months before he was here, was a car seat. And she kept saying, Brian, did you put the car seats together? I'm like, put the car seats, I, I got it. Don't worry about the car seat, Jessica. I, got, I mean, she asked me several times, Brian, have you put the car seat together? Brian, I'm like, I got the car seat. Don't worry about the car seat. Well, then she decided to have the baby a couple of days early. I said, no worry, threw the car seat in the trunk. Oh, we had a Florida, so threw it in the back. I was like, it'll be fine. I'll do it when we get there. I mean, the pregnancy went good, except for how hard it was on me. It was kind of tough, if you have to ask, but that's okay. Pregnancy went good. We're about to get discharged from the hospital. Like, they're like, hey, you'll be discharged any minute. And she looks, she goes, Brian, is the car seat in the car? I said, I'll be right back. So I ran downstairs into the car, opened that car seat up, and listen, I'm not exaggerating. I could not figure out how to release the base from the seat. Those of you who had a car seat know what I'm talking about. Those who haven't, read the instructions. I could not figure it out, and I'm not joking. I was down there for an hour trying to figure out how to release the base of the car seat 
from the seat itself so I could take it upstairs. And mind you, I said, I got this. And I'm a pretty vocal person. You probably know that about me. I'm sitting in the parking lot of the hospital for an hour, sweating, mad, yelling at a car seat. Pretty embarrassing, isn't it? But that's what I did. And so I finally figured it out with the help of Google. It took me a while to even Google it. Figured out, oh, there's a, there's a release button. Okay, finally figured it out, walked upstairs. I wasn't feeling proud. I wasn't feeling accomplished. I mean, the exact opposite of all that. I just got beat up in the middle of the parking lot by a car seat. Walked up there, everything went good, but I was completely embarrassed if I would have just read the instruction manual. You see, God's telling Joshua, he's telling us, listen, listen, I gave you an instruction manual for life. I, I, I created the world. I, I've given you the ability to learn how to do things better. I've given you the ability to learn how to be successful and prosperous. And I wonder how many of us take take the approach with our life that I took with this car seat. Instead of following the instructions given to us by the creator of the universe, we are trying to wing it. And we're walking around life feeling miserable, defeated, sweaty, tired, angry, because we just refuse to pick it up and read it. Maybe, just maybe, that's why life is the way it is for you. Maybe you just need to pick up the instructions. Maybe we shouldn't wing it. I get it. I get it with a car seat, but we shouldn't walk around or we, shouldn't, we don't have to walk around living embarrassed lives because we could have avoided so much if we would have just opened it up. You see, we're not smarter than the Creator. Follow God's word and you will live a successful and prosperous life. And I hear some of you going, hold on, Brian, hold on. This is way too easy. So you mean to tell me if I actually follow the Bible, my life will be better? Yes. Guarantee it. Without a doubt. Prove me wrong. I would love for you to prove me wrong because it hasn't been proven wrong in thousands of years. And I don't think you're going to be the one to do it now. You see, because when we read the scriptures will then allow the scriptures to define success and prosperity. Will then allow God to define things for us. Instead of us bringing our personal opinion and our personal expertise into life, and instead of us defining what is good and what isn't good, we allow the creator of the universe to do that for us. So let's talk about success. When you read God's word, you'll realize success isn't what you think. Success isn't climbing the career ladder. Success isn't getting that promotion. Although God may bless you with those things, and I really hope he does, success in God's eyes is following him. It's living a holy life. It's obeying him. It's having a relationship with him. It's having intimacy with the creator of the universe. That's being successful. And then you can accomplish so much. But knowing God is the most important thing in your life. That is success. And when you read the scriptures, you'll learn what prosperity is. You, you can learn that prosperity isn't about the big bank account. It's not about a big retirement. It's not about the newest cars or the biggest house. 
Being prosperous and wealthy in God's eyes is about the relationships that we are told to invest in. Great friendships, great marriages, and you know these things are important. It's about the eternal treasures we're storing up. Being prosperous isn't about the money you keep, but the money you give away. Giving things away is so much more better than keeping them for yourself and being greedy, isn't it? You'd be like, well, I don't know if I want to be successful and prosperous to God. I know. You don't think so, but how's it worked out so far? Let God define these things. When we don't read his instruction manual, we then let the world define what success is. We then let our friends decide what prosperous is. And we can all get busy chasing the Joneses, right? Wanting bigger and better. But what we end up doing, and this is why it's so devastating, we end up chasing things that pull us away from God. We pull away from him. But when we let God define success, when we let God define prosperous, then we go towards things that draw us closer to him. We chase after things that bring us into a better relationship with him. Again, the most important thing in your life is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing better. There is nothing more important. And it may take you a very long time to figure it out, but I promise you everything else will fade away, but your relationship with Jesus Christ will not. It is the thing above all things, but it just may take you a while to figure it out. Read his word. The instructions will teach you how to do that sooner than later. You see, from the stories we see through the pages of Joshua is a group of people who made the right choices who decided to follow and choose God. It wasn't just a one-time decision. It wasn't like, okay, God, we're gonna choose you this time. It was a constant, we're gonna make choices to be obedient to God. And when we see that, we see it worked out in his favor. Remember, they walked around the Jericho walls for a week, then the last day, seven times? We saw Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. I mean, come on, that's pretty cool, right? Any of y'all ever done that? Be kind of cool, wouldn't it? I mean, this is what this man did. Over and over, they defeated their enemies in in battle, but when they didn't obey, well, when Joshua made the treaty with the wrong people because he didn't seek God, he made a big mistake. We saw Achan choose to keep the treasure for himself, and the the whole group of people were defeated because of that, and it didn't work out so well for him in the end. But the overarching theme of the book of Joshua, and it doesn't continue, we're, we're going to get to a book where it gets bad really quick. But Joshua is such an important book because it's one of those things that should bring you hope, bring you excitement, that, hey, if I really do follow God's word, it really will make a difference in my life. We see a group of people who are obedient and submissive, and it paid off. But for a long time, that group of people had prosperity. They had success. Joshua was getting old. He was dying. And just like Moses, he called a group of people together. He says, hey, I have some things I want to tell you. Look at what he says. He says this, Joshua 24. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all um, faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But this is that let's come to Jesus moment. This is the let's be honest with ourselves. This is gut-wrenching. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, 
Maybe just pick part of it. Maybe just kind of halfway follow them. If you really don't like what God says, then just kind of do like buffet style. No. No. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourself this name whom you will serve. And be honest about it. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites and land who you are now living. Watch what he's doing there. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See what's happening there? He's saying you can't serve all the gods. All of us are serving somebody. Even if you pull away from Jesus Christ and God said, hey, I'm gonna do this on my own, you're, you're following somebody. Maybe Oprah, right? Maybe somebody on the TV, I don't know. You're all getting input and advice from somebody. He's saying, we're gonna serve God. But if you don't want to serve him, then pick what God you're going to serve. And he points to the gods that Yahweh has defeated. He's like, hey, you, you don't have to serve, you know, our God. You could serve the one we just crushed. Like, if that's what you want to do. Or the one in Egypt. Remember what happened in Egypt? What are your choices here? But you have to choose. This buffet style that's especially popular today has never been an option when it comes to God. Well, I'll just do, no. Remember, that was the Israelites last week. Well, we'll just obey part of it. It doesn't work out well for anybody. You see, we're all serving something. And if you want a successful and prosperous life, then it's following the instruction manual. It's following God's word. And you see, all of this is before Christ. Today we live in a time where we know what happens after Easter. We don't just have the written word now, but we have the living word, that being Jesus Christ himself. So not only did God write it down for us, he sent the example to follow. And we can read all about that. And it's not just a one-time decision. Following Jesus isn't just a one-time I said a prayer. Following Jesus is a continually daily choice of denying yourself and following after him. And that's what we have to be about at First Baptist Church. It's reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ, but they're continually striving to follow after Jesus Christ. Because we really believe he is important. We really believe he is the one that deserves all our attention and honor. But you have to constantly choose it. Follow God's word. Follow Jesus and you will live a successful and prosperous life. And just like the instructions he gave to Joshua, it's the same for us. Listen, you must meditate on his word, which means if we're gonna meditate on it, what do we have to do, you think? We gotta read it. We're like, ah. Hey, we got audible books now, right? You could just play it in the car. I'm good with that. But we have to let it sink within us. We have to understand it. If you're making, you don't just open the Bible like, oh, I got 35,000 choices I'm gonna make today. Let me, let, me, let me play Russian roulette. Here's what God wants me to do. No, no, no. Meditate on it, chew on it, allow it to sink in and become a part of you. You see, it's through his word we get to know who God is and understand what he expects. We're like, well, Brian, I know that. No, no, no. It's good reminders. This week, if you would have read the story with us, you would have came away going, wow, worshiping other gods isn't a good idea. Like, if you would have read the story, you'd have been like, you know what? Worshiping other gods is just bad. I shouldn't do it. Well, then when you come into today where let's worship all the gods, we'll go, mm, 
Never been a good idea when it comes to God. Never been okay in his mind. We gotta meditate it to know him, to know his person. It should never be Jesus plus anybody. And when I hear people talk about that, all I hear them saying is, I've never read God's word. I don't really know what it says. Because when you'll read it, you see we have a jealous God who wants a deep relationship with you and I. He loves us and care about us. And, and all, listen, you want your spouse to be jealous, don't you? You want them to love and care about you? Okay, we might need to define jealousy. You're looking at me crazy. Jealousy's when anything gets in the way of your relationship. Who wants another person to get in the way of your marriage? We're like, well, no, I don't want anybody coming in and messing up my marriage. Exactly. God doesn't want anything else coming in between you and his relationship. He really does want a relationship with you. So we have to meditate on it, but we also have to obey it. And this seems obvious. But we've all, all of us have a problem with the actual obedience part. I mean, the Apostle John, 1,300 years after this with Moses, look at what he writes. 1 John 2. He says, we know that we have come to know him, that's Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. It's the next verse on the screen back there. And the truth is not in that person. So John says, yeah, well, if you claim to know Jesus, but you actually don't do what he says, you're a liar. You're like, well, that's too mean. Come on. He's just telling you the truth. It's like with our marriages. If, if we want a marriage, we need to allow God's word to define it. Marriage, according to God, is a lifelong commitment. Which means when it gets hard, do you run? No. You stay in there. You stick it out. You pray for me. You're like, but I know following God's word isn't easy. But he says that when people get married to become one, and it's something supernatural, something we don't necessarily understand, but you don't run when it gets hard. You double down when it gets hard. It says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Meaning, if God's brought you together and you've been married, you don't decide and somebody else doesn't decide that it's over. You stick it out. And he tells us that marriage between husband and wife means other people shouldn't be brought into it. And if you want your marriage to be successful, both of you need to follow God's word. Both of you. That's why it's so important that Christians marry Christians because we submit to the authority of God's word then. And when both of us are trying to love like Jesus, well, I've never heard a divorce because someone says, well, they just loved me way too much. And they just like sacrificed for me and they cared for me. I mean, huh, I just couldn't take it anymore. It's the exact opposite. Both of us submit to that. And it's, if you want successful and prosperous finances, follow what God says on it. He tells us to give away our money. Not because he needs your money. This is something we get so wrong. We're like, ah, well, you know, I need it. And God's like, no, I'm trying to teach you not to be greedy. Because greedy people, well, they don't succeed. Greedy people don't build relationships. So instead of being greedy and hoarding everything, give it away. In fact, where your treasure is, your heart will be. So if you're giving me your money, where's your heart gonna be? Where God is. Well, I know, we like to well and but his word. But he's teaching us, hey, you want a good relationship with me? Well, let your finances follow, and you know this. 
when you were courting your wife or your husband or when y'all were first dating or you, let's say you're dating someone now and you want to go out, y'all go to the dollar menu? No, you take them out for a good, you put your money down to show your affection. It's just part of it. Where our money is, our heart goes. That's why we do these things. It's a heart thing. And then we follow what the Bible says about forgiveness and showing favoritism and, and loving. See, you can't choose God, but then ignore his word. We choose God and then we follow his word. And just like with Joshua, it's gonna take strength and courage because we live in a day and an age where even churches are saying, well, well, it's real, well, we won't do that. It's not gonna be popular and it has never been popular to be obedient to God. And it doesn't mean you hate, but it means you love, but we don't have to apologize for being obedient to God. Because we believe, I believe, and I hope you believe, obedience to God's word is how you will live a successful and prosperous life. And he says we must talk about God's word with others. He tells Joshua to keep it on his lips, be ready to speak, be ready to talk about it. There is a power in getting together with other people and talking about Jesus Christ. If you've never done it, you should try it sometime. It's radically addicting. It's great to have spiritual conversation. That's why I believe in small groups. I believe that people should come together and talk about their spiritual life. They should struggle with God's word. I will, it's always okay if somebody struggles with God's word. If they're like, well, I just, this is hard for me to follow, that's a great place to be because you're thinking about it. You're working through it. Just completely throwing it to the side is not okay. But sometimes we gotta talk this stuff out with our friends. Sometimes we'll all come to the conclusion, yeah, this seems absolutely crazy. Let's give it a shot anyways. I mean, what have we got to lose? But you need community. You need other people to walk life through life with. Follow God's word. And you'll live a successful and prosperous life. Now listen, here's my last plea. It changed my life when I stopped thinking the Bible was God's rule book. You see, I told you I grew up with a problems with authority. So you want to be authority in my life? It didn't work out. I mean, it didn't work out for well, for usually just for me. But I would rebuke anything that wanted to claim authority over my life. And so I always thought, well, God's word says it, so just do it. I'm like, that's a terrible answer. Well, God's word, and well, just do it. God wrote it, so do it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that doesn't help me. What changed my life is when I realized that God loves me, that God is for me. And that God has written a book to help me live a successful and prosperous life. He's not out to smite me. What I find is we have a God who wants to bless us. A God who wants to use us. A God who wants to invest in our lives. But we have to be obedient. And what I found is when I'm obedient, my life goes so much better. It's so much better when I'm obedient to him. When I realize that it may be hard to follow God's word, but it's way better than ignoring it, I started giving it a shot. All right, Lord, you tell me if I forgive, it's gonna make my life better. All right, watch this. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Never proved him wrong yet. I've tried a lot. Like, all right, God, I'm gonna do this, but watch, you're gonna be wrong. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be good. Watch this, Lord. Not gonna be able to pay my rent. Watch. And then I do. 
Test them. Go for it. I do. Like, all right, you want me to do it? Fine. And it works. Then it gets addicting. And then you just decide he's smarter. And then you just go for it. Doesn't mean it's easy. But it will work out better for you being obedient to God. And can you imagine what your life would look like if you took it serious? Could you imagine the pain and the hurt you could have avoided if you listened to him when you were younger? Come on, some of those regrets that you still have that still chew it, you, you made when you were younger because you thought you were smarter. But it didn't work out, did it? Imagine the pain and the hurt you could avoid if we just trusted him. I've never met a person who regretted following God's word. Ever. But I've met plenty and I've counseled plenty that I've wished they would have. They found out the hard way. You see, we allow him to define success, allow him to define prosperous. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Listen, you're not smarter than God. Do, do, we, do, we, do we get that? You're not wiser than the creator of the universe. It's impossible to live a better life ignoring God than following him. Impossible. He's saying, hey, your marriage, I I created it. Your finances, I made it. The whole school education, I, I did. No, this is me. Like I designed it, I built it, I put it together. Here, here, here you go. Like, no, I got this. He's like, okay, it's not gonna work out. It's like Joshua said, choose. Come on, choose. You're gonna take this serious. You're gonna take God's word serious. You will have a successful and prosperous life, but you have to choose. And listen, maybe for you, you're a Christian, you've given your life to Jesus, but you haven't really been in this, I'm gonna follow him. Maybe no one's ever taught you that. Maybe we just heard that, hey, I just say a prayer, then I can do whatever we want. That's not in the scriptures and that's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants a relationship with you. So maybe you're on the verge of walking away for it all because you've defined things yourself and you just don't like, hey, I want to encourage you before you walk away, try it out. Prove them wrong. Walk away because you've said, I've proved God wrong. Therefore, hey, I'll agree with you. I'll be like, you're right. You proved God wrong. Try it. You won't. It will work for you. Just try it. And maybe some of you, you've here, maybe you grew up in church Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe even you've come to church your whole life, but you've never really been serious about following him. Maybe you've never really gave him your life. Choose, Joshua says. So maybe today is the day you choose to follow Jesus. You choose to give him your life. Hey, I'm not doing this on my own. I need someone to guide me. I need someone to help me. And I need someone to forgive me. That's Jesus. If you've never made that choice, you can make it at any time. It's a simple prayer that you just throw in your life. You just tell him, hey, I need you and I want you and to forgive me. 
from all that I've done. But as Joshua says, and I hope for you, for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And I hope that each and every one of you take that serious. It can tell your kids, your grandkids, your adult kids. For me and my home, we're going to serve the Lord. And it's going to take courage, and it's going to be hard, but that's where we're going. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you've given us all a choice on whether or not to follow you. Father, we believe that the ultimate choice you've given us is about Jesus Christ. That that according to your word that Jesus Christ came down, God himself wrapped in human flesh and gave his life for ours. And through him, because of his death on the cross, because of his resurrection that ushered in a new life, that we can be forgiven and set free through him. Father, I pray that if anybody here hasn't given them their life, that they would do that today. Today they would choose. They would say, hey, I'm, I'm done with doing this on my own. I'm done with trying to figure it out. I'm going to choose Jesus. Father, all of us need courage and strength to do this. For those of us who maybe have a rocky marriage or rocky finances or rocky work or You know, life just isn't what we thought it would be. We're at a stage where we thought we'd have everything together, but we don't. Father, give us the strength and the courage to go back to the instruction manual, to go back and learn from you what next steps look like. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.